Today is one of those odd days in our church calendar, a day when nothing appears to be happening. We've walked with Jesus and the disciples through all the events of Holy Week. They're gathering in the upper room for what is their last meal together, the betrayal by Judas in the Garden of Gethsemane, the crucifixion and resurrection. We have spent Easter season listening to post-resurrection stories from John's Gospel, as well as passages from earlier in Jesus' ministry and last days. Most recently, we heard reminders of Jesus preparing his disciples for his departure and his promise to send the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, who will remind them of all he has said, and through it all permeates the prayer and wish that they all may be one as he and the Father are one. This past Thursday was the Feast of the Ascension, the day we mark Jesus' final physical leave-taking. So now we are in the in-between time. Jesus has left, but the promised baptism by the Holy Spirit has not yet occurred. Their days as disciples traveling with Jesus on his ministry were going out on their own, but always coming back to him to share their triumphs and failures has ended. But their new time as a community is just beginning. None of our readings today tell us anything about how the disciples might be spending this time, this time of liminality, Liminality, a rather fancy word that comes from the Latin word limen, meaning threshold, being on the edge of something but not quite there. It can easily be a time of ambiguity or disorientation, that time between what was familiar and what is new, between a previous way of structuring one's identity, time, or community, and a new way which has not yet come into focus. We may also think of liminal places as well as times, those thin spots where we seem to be more open to the divine, to what is beyond our usual everyday comprehension. For the disciples, I can imagine it was a time of sadness, fear, confusion, anticipation, and hope a jumble of feelings as they await this new inspiration that will fill them with remembered knowledge of Jesus' presence and actually be his presence, impatient to get on with the ministry Jesus has commissioned them to do, to go and preach and heal, to be community with the larger group of Jesus' disciples. Yet what a gift this time of transition must have been a time to process all that has happened, to pray and praise, a time during which they gathered to choose who would replace Judas as one of the twelve, to imagine how to go forward. So very different from their actions even after the resurrection when they didn't know quite what to do with themselves. And so we are told Peter and a group went off fishing going back to what they knew and were comfortable with, rather than wait through this fallow, liminal time of expectation and preparation. 
It can be all too easy to fall back on familiar routines in the midst of uncertainty and transition, and their often accompanying feelings of fear and hesitation. How easy it is to fill our lives with one activity after another, one distraction or another, without making the space and time to wait, to listen, to pray, to allow for something new to break in. With all that we have to distract us, whether our phones or laptops, the TV, or however else we get our entertainment, or even having the radio on in the background, or wandering around with earbuds always in place, we are surrounded by noise and demands on our attention that the disciples could never have imagined. Our world moves so fast these days, and it is all too easy trying to keep up to forget to make time, to take the time for reflection, for an encounter that might prove fruitful beyond what we can expect, or even just to be present where we are, present in the moment, doing the one thing at hand. I expect that all of us during this particular in-between time looking back to Jesus' ascension and toward a renewed coming of the Spirit, are immersed in our own anger, outrage, and grief at yet another senseless shooting, this time causing the deaths of 19 schoolchildren and two teachers in Uvalde, Texas. The writer and historian Diana Butler Bass wrote this week, quote, in November 2018, following a massacre in Thousand Oaks, California, bishops united against gun violence. An activist group of bishops in the Episcopal Church, including our own Bishop Greg, offered a litany in the wake of a mass shooting to commemorate the dead, to comfort their loved ones, and to honor survivors and first responders. Since then, they have regularly and sadly updated the litany. I tweeted it tonight, she says, in rage and sadness, listening to the news about the massacre of little school children in Uvalde, Texas. Merely tweeting it was an act of defiance, prayer, lament, and empowerment. I strongly encourage you to pray the entire thing. Thoughts and prayers can really mean something if those thoughts and prayers reveal the extent of evil and break our hearts with the love and sorrow of God. In lament and litany, we can discover we have the power to act. Remember the victims in your thoughts. Never forget. Pray and pray again. With these words and with groans too great for words, and act, take to the streets. Our lives depend on it. Our children's lives depend on it. End of quote. While we will not be using this litany this morning, I urge you to find a copy of it and pray it on your own. Compiled since 2018, it includes 65 different references to shootings. Take the time to be open to the Spirit as to how you will respond, what we might each do to help affect 
a lasting change in the culture of our country that allows this to keep happening. I invite you to be intentional, to take time to look at how you use this precious time that you have been given to further the kingdom. In our Gospel reading, we heard Jesus praying during the Last Supper for his disciples, not only for those who are with him, but also those who will believe through their word, those who come later, praying for us, for you, and for me, reminding us that we are loved and praying that we may be one as he and the Father are one. And as this week unfolds, allow that to sink in, to undergird all that you do, and then open you to receive the Spirit's gifts. For it is through the power of the Spirit that we become part of the body, the body of Christ, so that we, like those first disciples, may go out into the world taking up Christ's work. I want to close with a poem by the young poet Amanda Gorman written this week. Everything hurts, our hearts shadowed and strange, minds made muddied and mute. We carry tragedy, terrifying and true, and yet none of it is new. We knew it as home, as horror, as heritage. Even our children cannot be children, cannot be. Everything hurts. It's a hard time to be alive and even harder to stay that way. We are burdened to live out these or not lets us live. May we not just grieve, but give. May we not just ache, but act. May our signed right to bear arms never blind our sight from shared harm. May we choose our children over chaos. May another innocent never be lost. Maybe everything hurts, our hearts shadowed and strange. But only when everything hurts, may everything change.